This is Ed Cohen, a broadcast host of GlobalRadioTalkShow.com, a broadcast service of Global HR News and GlobalBusinessNews.net. Coming to you today from Washington, D.C., our very special guest is Mr. Ray Da Silva, who is the founder and creator of a dynamite tech service. He's going to tell us all about it and how it works with the International Association of Movers, IAM. It's an exchange. It's a resource and it's dynamite. I'm here in San Diego. Ray is in Washington. Hello, Ray. Welcome. Hey, good day to you, Ed. Great. Thanks very much for being our guest today on GlobalRadioTalkShow.com. Ray, tell us officially what your position is, your title, and the name of the exchange. Yeah, so I have a firm called Mobility Exchange, and we are a partner, a technology and consulting partner with the International Association of Movers, who represents about 2,000 international service providers around the world. We're involved in a number of projects, but one of the projects that we're involved with is called IAM Mobility Exchange. And some refer to it as an online directory, but we consider it to be much more of a fundamental resource that can help to connect the industry. This is really interesting. So, Ray, your background is many years uh, as an executive within the relocation household goods industry. Isn't that correct? Yes, I've spent uh, close to 40 years in the mobility services industry. About 23 years uh, of that, I, I spent with a company called the Crown Worldwide Group. And one of the things I learned during that time, because Crown was located in about 60 different countries, was how to connect these different branches of the company and have them collaborate and work very, very closely together. So that led not only to technology as a means of connection, but also training and networking. So that's where some of that experience comes from. Once again, the name of your database is called what? IAM Mobility Exchange. Okay. Now, this is a resource of finding people in different countries around the world, correct? Yes, that's correct, Ed. Ours is a business that relies on collaboration and cooperation between disparate service partners around the world. In fact, if you look at our business, there can be up to 10 different stakeholders, different entities that are all in contact with a transferee. And that can be an origin agent, a move management company, a relocation services company, a visa, an immigration service, home finding service. It can go on. And so this creates this need for the transferee to repeatedly tell their story to all these different service providers. And so one of the things that we're trying to do as an industry is to tackle this issue of what's called interoperability. How do we have all these different service providers that are using different computer systems? How do we allow them to exchange vital information in a very confidential, private, and relevant way? That's the challenge. So this is getting into the blockchain idea, isn't it? Yes, blockchain is a technology, and today it's a very common buzzword. Everybody thinks blockchain is the solution. But to me, it's just one of the technology tools that will enable this interoperability. And I'll give you a very simple example of how this might work. In my computer system, I might call John Smith's last name, surname. In your computer system, you might call it last name. 
And in the third party's computer system, they might call it family name. If we try to exchange information, that last name of Smith between our systems, it can't find each other. The different systems won't know what to do with the information. So using blockchain or similar technologies, what we can do is to create a data standard and allow and map these different fields. Yeah. So nobody has to change their computer system. They can continue to use their proprietary systems, but we have an exchange, a central data hub where the information can flow between these disparate systems. That's what we're trying to create. So people in China, in Dubai, in Cape Town, in Rio, in San Diego, they all will be able to understand each other better. That's a very good point that you bring up. And so we, we've already made some progress with this. The IAM led an effort to create an ISO standard for the exchange of inventory information. So as you know, Ed, when we ship a transferees household goods from New York to Japan, one of the things that we have to do is to create an inventory of all the articles inside the shipment. We need that so that we can track the possessions, and we also need that for customs purposes. So the IAM led this initiative to create a standardized data component so that the information could be exchanged between the agent in New York and the agent in Japan. And the customs broker in Japan would also be able to receive this information in their own language. So think of that. We describe it as a sofa with X amount of legs and a scratch on the right in New York. And through the data interchange, it is translated into Japanese at the other end digitally and available well, to them. Yes. That's a, that's a wow. So let's talk about, we've got to talk about the future here and how companies can grow using blockchain and using a mobility exchange. But let's, let's look back to quote unquote basics. Ray, you've been around such a long time and you have an uh, encyclopedia of knowledge in your head and experience. When you say back to basics today, what does that mean to you? Well, the industry and business in general, uh, life in general, is changing at such a pace that we can hardly cope with the changes. So if you think about what's happened in the last 50 years, in 1969, we landed Apollo on the moon and it used four computers that cost $600,000. Today, you can buy an iPhone 6. In fact, they'll give it away to you. And it can perform 120 million times faster than those computers. That's the pace of change. So we talk about autonomous cars and predicting that within 10 years, we will have cars that will drive themselves on the road. But the challenge sometimes is not the technology. It is the rules of engagement about how these cars will perform. Simple example, if that car approaches an intersection and has to make a decision, do I hit these three children that are playing on the left, this elderly couple on the right, or do I keep from crashing into the light barrier in front of me? How does that car make that decision? That is going to be the challenge. And even take that example and apply it to our business. We have confidentiality. We have security issues. We're dealing with a transferee's personal information. There are so many business rules of engagement to be worked out, and, and that's the challenge. So when I say, let's get back to basics, one of the things I'm talking about is technology can help us. It can be a tool to be more customer-facing. But let's face it, Ed, in the next 10 years, human involvement is still going to be very much required. But what about the younger people? They're all techies, or seemingly they're all techies. 
and you know older people are not. So we got to do two things. We got to keep an eye on two balls. One is we've got to follow technology and we got to follow the pace of change. You've seen chatbots on some of these websites and they pop up and they offer information and so on. Quite frankly, I haven't found them to be of much use. I mean, we're trying. If you look at artificial intelligence and what they're trying to do, machine learning is making these chatbots better and better, even as we speak. But the reality is, for now, we still need a human to be involved. So we need the young people to be following these developments. We need them to be leveraging the technology to make our businesses more efficient. But at the same time, we've got to recognize that we're in a human service business. That interaction is still vital. So let's talk about data metrics, global data, data standards for the mobility industry. Do you want to get into that a little bit? Sure, we can do that. As I described the example of the transferee's last name, you got the simplification, the oversimplification of the idea. But really, when you look at a transaction file and when you consider a transferee moving from New York to Japan, you've got names, you've got addresses, you've got key milestone dates, you have service providers, you have roles, and you have role-based security. Who can see what? Who can edit what? And when can they edit it? And who should see that information? And when should this information be purged? So there's a number of efforts. One is the standardization so that the nomenclature is standardized and so that information can pass between these disparate systems. But perhaps the bigger challenge are the business rules of engagement. Who controls that information and who gets to make a change? So here's a very simple example. The corporate account initiates a transfer with a relocation services company and says that the last name is spelled S-M-Y-T-H. That is passed on to the move management company. But somewhere along the line, the origin agent in Japan contacts the individual and finds out the last name is spelled Smith, S-M-I-T-H. Who should be allowed to make that change? Agreeing on the business rules of engagement as an industry and then codifying that, making it transparent and building it into the technology. That's where blockchain comes in. There's a concept called smart contracts that are linked to blockchain, where we can actually embed these business rules into the framework so that without thinking, the system will know, okay, you have the role of the relocation services company and you're able to see this part of the file, but not that part of the file. You can edit these fields, but not those fields. And you can do it in this time frame. That's going to be the challenge, but one that we have tackled before. We've got experience in doing this. Boy, that's interesting stuff. And I thank you for getting into that. So are you finding people around the world through your exchange, are they hungry for this information or they just take it sitting back and watching it come? I think most business leaders in our industry, and by the way, we're not alone in this. Whether you talk about the medical industry or most industries, when computers first came around, what we were trying to do was solve internal efficiency problems. Nobody gave a thought to how these little computers were going to talk to each other. We're dealing with that now. So when you talk about how we're going to spread this information and what people think about it. Most business leaders recognize there is a need 
In fact, in the logistics side of the business, there's an estimate that some 20% of every revenue dollar received by logistics companies is spent on data input and data processing involving not only the transfer of information, but also invoicing and collections. Imagine that, 20% of every revenue dollar just in tracking the information. If we could strip away 5 to 10% of that, it would change the industry. It would not only do that, it would provide customers, our customers, with better access to data in real time. And if you talk to any customer, that is one of the biggest pain points in our industry. Service failures occur because information gets out of sync between all the disparate parties that are touching the transferee. This can be tackled. We, we have the technology to do it, and now we need leadership to bring the different communities together, the different associations together, the customers together, along with the software companies, all the stakeholders to sit down at a table and discuss how we're going to move forward. Here's the good news, Ed. On October 3, the IAM is hosting a global data summit to talk about this very issue. Fantastic. And I'm looking forward to being there and covering it as editor of Global HR News as much as possible. So, I'm looking at some data here, and I'd like you to comment on it. So people are need to come and trust. They, they have to worry about competitors knowing too much, right? That's exactly right. In fact, if anything can make this a bigger challenge, it is what you've just brought up, which is called the fear of losing competitive advantage. So what we need is collaboration in order to not only create industry standards, but to implement them. And trust is the word, Ed. So when you talk about the entities that might be able to do this, the IAM, which represents about 2,000 service providers around the world, is tackling this and pioneering it from the international moving aspect. But it cannot stop there. We need the customers. We need the relocation services companies. We need all the service partners that support these, these businesses, you know, like the steamship lines, like the trucking companies. They all need to be part of this. And the good news is that it's happening and you see it all around. The buzz about blockchain is not limited to just a few industries. Logistics and the service industries are very excited about the potential of this technology to create efficiency, transparency, and improve customer service. So tracking shipments, tracking data, and the compliance stuff that is so dominant today, this is major, isn't it? I mean, this is costly, isn't it? Yes. And again, this is where everybody's excitement about the blockchain technology comes in. If you think of it at its simplest level, blockchain is a ledger. So we have a written ledger that, let's say, records property transfers. It records a date, who the property owner is, who they're transferring it to, and so on. And then let's say 10 years later, you make another entry in that very same ledger. That's a block of data. So now you've added another block. At its simplest form, that is what blockchain is. The nice part about blockchain is that these records, these ledger entries are what they call immutable. And that means you do not overwrite the customer's name or the property owner's name. What you do is you add a new block of data and you record the date. The history of the transactions and the ownership is never lost. And that's where some of the trust is created. Now, it's a distributed ledger. 
And perhaps you've heard about that with blockchain. It doesn't necessarily exist in just one database sitting in one place. It is distributed within a peer network of computers that are all hosting the same chain of blocks of data. And there is something called consensus, which means that through the business rules of engagement, the system itself, the framework of blockchain will identify your role and what your authority is to write another block of data into that chain and whether the consensus of the computers will accept it. And by doing this, it is almost unhackable in that the data can be trusted because it is being reviewed, in essence, by a distributed system. So I'm not an accountant, but what's the cost of doing all this? I mean, you have to put money out to get all this together, not to mention time to learn. But where will the savings be? And can you measure that yet? Sure. We talked about that estimate of 20% of every revenue dollar in the logistics business going to tracking the actual operational information and financial information about a transaction. If you can strip away a piece of that, think about it. We're a multi-billion dollar industry just on the moving side. If we can strip away two or 3% of that, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. So it's very quantifiable in terms of uh, the effect on efficiency, but there are so many other gains. If we can, let's say, take our staff and not have them make redundant key entries, typing in John Smith 15 different times into 15 different computer systems around the world, multiply that out by millions of transactions. If we can strip that out, we can return our time to customer-facing activities rather than mundane data entry. That's the potential. Got it. So what kind of new training do you think is necessary in order to effectuate this? Well, there's technical aspects of the training, but that should be fairly transparent to the end user themselves. For instance, you don't have to know how a fuel injected carburetor works in order to drive your nice car, right? Right. And in the same way, the blockchain technology, there are technical aspects that are beyond me. I, I, I would have no understanding of it, but there are technicians who understand it very well. The end result is that for us who are engaged in the human activity of, of needs analysis, translating that into operational language so that we can meet customer commitments, that should be fairly transparent to us. And that is the hope. At Mobility Exchange, that is what we're trying to do and as part of our mission is to make the technology seamless, put it in the background so that it is a tool so that we can return ourselves to the most important activity, getting in front of the customer and meeting their expectations. So, Ray, what are you going to be doing at the IAM convention? Well, we have a number of projects that we're partnering with the IAM on. One is Mobility Exchange that we just talked about, which is the directory and resource. And it's a foundational tool in order to build some of the interoperability data interchange that we talked about. The other project that we're very excited about, and uh, we're starting our second year, uh, we launched in October of 2018, is called IAM Learning. And you talked about training. In our industry, and well, in any industry, ongoing in education and professional development, we all talk about it. Not enough of us invest in it. So as an association, the IAM has said, you know, our membership is made up mostly of small to medium-sized enterprises. We don't have big HR departments. We don't have the resources to create industry-specific knowledge. So how do we help our members? And so we created IAM Learning. 
We're very proud to be involved in the technical aspect of the online systems that we've created a platform for delivery. And by the way, thank you, Ed, because recently you participated in making some of your talk shows like this one available to us as podcasts or our members can listen to them in their cars. What a wonderful thing. And that's the whole idea about collaboration. Can we take the wealth of knowledge that we have within the industry, within the IAM membership, collaborate together to create resources and then share them back out, either for free as a benefit of membership or at such a nominal cost that it really does make sense to invest in our people? Fascinating stuff. Talking with Ray Da Silva. How can people get in touch with you, Ray? Well, I'm very easy to get in touch with. One of the ways is through the Mobility Exchange itself. If you go to the IAM website, which is iammovers.org, just look for the link to Mobility Exchange and you'll find contact information. IAM Learning, you can access it directly through Mobility Exchange and you can find me there. And otherwise, if you're attending the IAM conference, come to the IAM World booth. We'd love to see you. So talk about IAM a little bit more, okay? Sure. So the IAM originally started as a an association to help with lobbying efforts for the U.S. forwarding industry, primarily doing business with the U.S. government. But over the last 20 years, it has slowly developed into an organization that is probably the most inclusive organization within the industry, welcoming small companies, large companies, companies that have just formed in the last two years to companies that have been in business for over 200 years. One of the themes of IAM is the networking. Ours as a business relies on collaboration, and that means being able to trust the partners. So IAM brings them together at this conference. Some 2,000 delegates from around the world will meet in Chicago in October to exchange business cards, to shake hands, to talk about business, and to conduct business. And IAM Mobility Exchange, which we are involved in, is an extension of that. It's that same networking, but it's happening 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's what we've created. And give me the website for IAM Convention again. Well, you can find it at IAM. O-V-E-R-S dot O-R-G, I-A-M-Movers dot O-R-G. You'll find links there to the conference as well as to Mobility Exchange and I-A-M Learning. Yes, I see that. I'm on the site right now and I see I-A-M Learning just popped up. I-A-M-X is right there. So Mm -hmm. it's all very, very easy. And so the International Association of Movers represents more than 2,000 companies in over 170 countries. And more than movers, the members' companies are partners and innovators in the delivery of moving, forwarding, shipping, logistics, and related services. So what do they mean by related services? Does that mean relocation services? Yes, not only relocation services, but if you think about a transferee that is relocating from one city to another or from one country to another, it's surprising to think of the number of services that that transferee may need, whether it's visa and immigration services, home search, school search. How do I register at the hospital in Nigeria? How do I find a driver? Is it safe to drive a car in Iran? There are service providers around the world that are in business to help transferees and expatriates negotiate these things in their new home. 
And IAM, Mobility Exchange, and IAM welcomes these service providers to network together, to join together in order to create resources to strengthen the industry and improve the service delivery to our customers. I just wanted to mention a unique aspect of IAMX, the Mobility Exchange Directory. We have built what is called a validation system, which is so simple and graceful in, in its simplicity. And it works this way. On a voluntary basis, members are able to upload documentation to validate each of the qualification claims they're making in their company profile. So if a company says, we have been in business since 1945, it's very simple. They scan a copy of the corporate registration document and they can upload it themselves right into the directory so that their colleagues can view it. If they have ISO 9000 certification, they can scan that document to show that it is current. And then we have a workflow that is built in to ensure that we're monitoring to make sure these documents are current. So not only can a service provider find a service partner in another part of the world easily, they can validate their credentials with just some mouse clicks. It's really a simple and elegant system. Thank you very much for doing that. So your members are around the world, Hong Kong, in the Persian Gulf area, and of course, in Washington and San Diego. So you have a background in Hong Kong as well. So what do you think is going on there? I know geopolitics is not in our game plan here today, but <laughs> your take on, on this. Well, my take is that I leave the politics to the people who are more learned and perhaps up to speed on these issues. We all have personal opinions about freedom and democracy, but whether that's appropriate to be expressed in a forum like this, I'm not quite sure. My personal opinion is that democracy has come a very long way, and hopefully none of these activities will stifle the advances that we've made. Okay, well, thanks very much for that insight. And I bring that up because the nature of our industry is international, of course, and communications about business. And the idea is customer service, taking care of the product, taking care of the customer, regardless of people's background or outlook or where they're from or what they eat or don't eat, what they look like. That has nothing to do with it. It's all about business, right? In a way, but. Our business relies on free and open borders, free and open trade. Our business relies on confidence of companies to invest in not only their own country, but in other countries. So anything that gets in the way of that, that uh, stifles this free flow of people and the freedom to not only to, I guess, travel, but also to migrate, anything that stifles that is, I think, hurtful to our industry. So I guess from a personal bias standpoint, I'm all for free and open borders, which protect the interests of the nationals in that particular country. But so many countries have been welcoming not only of immigrants, but also business travelers and have welcomed intellectual migration. And so I hope nothing will stifle that. Yes. And Godspeed to all your members coming together to meet in Chicago at the IAM Global Convention opening October 3. And I will be there too. So Ray De Silva, I want to say thank you for being our guest today on globalradiotalkshow.com. I've enjoyed this and frankly, I've, I've learned a tremendous amount from you in less than 30 minutes. Well, thank you so much, Ed. It's been a tremendous opportunity and I look forward to more discussions with you in the future. 
been great. Okay, see you in Chicago. Thank you very much, Ray Da Silva.